today then. Let us accept this truth that our actions are important, that people both in and out of the church are going to take notice of what you're doing with yourself. Let us accept this truth. So, First Thessalonians. Uh, actually, first, if you didn't join us last week uh, for whatever reason, or you haven't done so yet, I would strongly encourage you, ask you to please go and listen to last week's, or watch it, uh, last week's New Year message where we talked about the commitments that we are asking of you this year, and we made some commitments to you uh, for this year as well. There's a link in the description below this video, and it's also on the Sour Fellowship podcast, and you can get that wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you're an Apple person or the uh, the dark side, however and wherever you listen to podcasts, the Sour Fellowship podcast is there for you, and the New Year's message is there for you as well. Today, then, we do start a brand new walk through First Thessalonians. If you've got a bookmark, if your Bible's got a ribbon, leave one there, because we're going to be here for about eight weeks. And we're going to call this Together Apart, because Paul and a couple of his, uh, a couple of his co-laborers are writing a letter to a church, a group of people that they love dearly, but for the moment are temporarily, physically separated from. Uh, as we said in this week's Monday Minutes, our kind of bi-weekly bulletin, I hope you've read it all the way through. It's going to make a lot more sense as we go through it bit by bit. If you've read it as a whole, this is a real letter from real people to real people to be read as a whole. So please do read it through if you've not read it already. It's very, very possible that this was the first, maybe the second letter that Paul wrote to a group of believers, a church. Uh, the place in the world where this church was at the time, uh, this group of believers, Thessalonica, still exists today in Greece. You can go there. And at uh, the time that Paul and his friends wrote this letter, Thessalonica was a major seaport city and was positioned on this road, this this journey path called the Ignatian Way, which connected Rome to the east, so to speak. So it was a very well-located, prosperous, political, cosmopolitan city. Uh, if you do want a bit of a more of a detailed introduction, a bit of background, context, and culture, and all that stuff, again, go to the Star Fellowship podcast, and you can look for something called Message Extra something that we want to do this year to give a bit of a deeper dive into a Friday morning message for those people that want it. Today then, we're going to start walking through First Thessalonians and we're going to talk about a few different themes as they pop up in this letter. First in chapter 1, it's a very positive passage for those original readers. They get this letter, it's read aloud to them. This first bit of it is very, very positive. For you and for me, Whilst we are not these original readers, it makes us ask the question of ourselves, are my actions important? You know, is it important what I do day to day with myself? Or do I just need to say the right things, go to the right places in the right days and tick the boxes? 
So we're going to jump into chapter 1 and we're going to see if our actions are important. Uh, as Petra read, thank you again, uh, today's chapter 1 in its entirety. Chapter 1 verses 1 to 10. And first thing we see is an introduction. It's very, very normal, standard in ancient letter writing. Who wrote it? Their names come first from Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. It's a very, very Pauline, a very, very normal from Paul introduction. As he wrote more letters, his introductions kind of developed and, and, and uh, filled out a little bit, but um, it's very, very normal. Who wrote it to who? Grace and peace to you. Paul was a great man of God, used greatly by God, where possible, didn't work by himself. There was a, an absolute need and a desire for other people. And here he tells us who he's with and working with and writing with and talking with and ministering with and serving with at the time. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they're writing to this group of believers in Thessalonica, the church of the Thessalonians, which Paul started. And again, if you want a bit of a deeper dive into the history and the context and the culture, message extra on the podcast. Uh, so, Paul and the gang introduce first this idea of actions. What are we doing with ourselves? What are the Thessalonians doing? So we're going to read again verses 2 to 5. We thank God always for all of you as we mention you constantly in our prayers because we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you in that our gospel did not come to you merely in words, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Surely you recall the character we displayed when we came among you to help you. N.T. Wright wrote about this section and said that it praises and encourages this, this new and growing church. And Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, look, when we're all praying together, we always mention you. We always pray for you. You think, why? You wonder why? And then Paul tells us in verse 3, because we remember the things that you did, how you worked in faith, labored in love, and endured in hope. We thank God when we remember you in our prayers because we remember what you did. Very, very simply, people remember what people do, don't they? If you've lived in Bahrain for more than a few weeks, you probably know somebody that lived here and has left here. Uh, it's one of the strangest, hardest, but yet most common things that we go through uh, living here. You get to know somebody, you spend a lot of time together in friendship and fellowship, somebody leaves. So if you've lived here for more than a few weeks, you probably know somebody that's lived here and left here. And if you think about them right now, picture their face in your mind, most likely your next thought will be about what they were like and the stuff that you did together, the stuff that they did for you, with you, to you. Things like whether you served together in church, whether you spent time with them in friendship and fellowship, just doing life together. People remember what people do. 
And Paul is thanking God for the Thessalonians. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a long eight weeks. Paul is thanking God for this group of believers when he prays because of what they did. And there's a very, very familiar Christian trio. There are three wonderful things in there, and I wonder if you saw them as we read through. Paul is so thankful for the Thessalonians because they worked in faith. They labored in love and they endured in hope. So in maybe his first, maybe his second letter to a group of believers, he's writing about faith and hope and love. Thomas Constable wrote that these three cardinal virtues that should mark every Christian, faith, love, and hope, stood out in the Thessalonian believers' lives, each of these virtues finding its way back to Jesus. And that is the key to what Paul is praising in his prayers for. It's the key to all of this. It's the key to your Christian life. Your Christian life is not about working as hard as you can to be all that you can and be. Working so hard, trying so hard to be a great person. Paul thanks God for this church when he remembers what they did in our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything that they're doing, everything that's praiseworthy and memorable about them is in or through or for Jesus. Paul is so sure that they're living their Christian life the way that they should. Their actions are so admirable that he writes, we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you in that our gospel did not come to you merely in words, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. So we're praising God. We know you're living your Christian life because of the stuff that you've done. And then he says, a bit of a like note in brackets, he says, surely you remember how we acted among you as well. So we're praising God because what we remember you doing, and surely you remember how we acted around you as well. Paul knows that they are chosen by God, that they are truly living a born-again, fully regenerate Christian life, so to speak, because he saw the gospel in action not just received and ignored, but received and then put to work in power, he writes. The message of Jesus, the gospel, has power, is powerful, isn't it? It has the power to change your mind, change your heart, and to change your life. And if people ever tell you that if you're a Christian, you need to do this or that, to prove that you're a real Christian. Uh, you know, maybe people tell you that you, uh, now, now you're a Christian, you need to do some miracles or else maybe you're not a real Christian. Or the absolute stamp of authenticity to prove you're a Christian is that you can pray or speak in tongues. You need to do this or do that to prove your Christianness. That's not what Paul is saying where we read that our gospel didn't come to you merely in words, but in power in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Paul is talking about the steady, day-to-day -day actions and attitudes of the believers there. And that's what we're saying to you as well. That is true 
power. That's the true power of God. That's, that's living in the Holy Spirit with deep conviction, living as a new creation, living a new life with new actions, new reactions, new desires, new focuses. And like we talked about last week, new commitments. There's no, you must do this or you must be able to do that. You must perform this or you must speak that. There's nothing like that. It's the steady, day-to-day, God's word at work in your life. You're a new person. That's the power of the gospel. John Calvin wrote that some people take the word power to mean miracles. Rather, it is the spiritual power of doctrine. It's the living voice of God at work in his people. Very, very simply then, Paul is praising this group of believers when he prays because he has seen the gospel at work in power and the spirit at work in their life because they're new people. They're living a a radically different life to how they were before because their lives were focused on Jesus is what he's praising God for. No wonder Paul is praising God for this group of people. They're working in faith Faith in Jesus. They're laboring in love, love for one another, but first and foremost, love for Jesus and what he's done for them. And they're enduring, they're keeping going despite what's going on around them or for them or to them. They're enduring in the hope of Jesus coming again. So Paul is thankful in prayer to God because of what this church is doing, because of what these people are doing But how does he know about them in a world before Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and WhatsApp? Well, let's read again uh, verses 6 through to 10. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you received the message with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, despite great affliction. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you, the message of the Lord has echoed forth, not just in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that reports of your faith in God have spread. So that we do not need to say anything. For people everywhere report how you welcomed us and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, our deliverer from the coming wrath. Paul knows about this church and he can pray and praise. Pray, he can praise in prayer. He can pray and praise this group of people because their actions produce a reputation. What the church is doing, how the believers are acting, as we read, had echoed forth not just in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place reports of your faith in God have spread. So that we do not need to say anything. So the Thessalonian believers then heard the word from Paul and whoever was with him. Silas, Silvanus, Timothy. And they didn't think, wow, great, very interesting. I never knew that. I'll see you next week. They heard the word and with their actions became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. That's just the the geographical, that's the area around them. 
They heard the word and became an example to those in their area, in Macedonia and in Achaia. And just pause and just think, where is that for you? You hear the word, do you not? Uh, if you are really plugged in, if you are really connected and committed here, you can hear the word every single day of the week with us, the church here, God's church at Star Fellowship, every single day, sometimes multiple times a day in different kind of formats. We're not just Friday friends. The goal, what we want to do, is be a community that is doing life together where the word of God, where the faith and hope and love that come from and find their way back to Jesus are so central. So you can, if you choose to hear the word with us every single day, and then it's over to you. As the Thessalonian believers became an example in their communities and in their area, are you becoming an example to those in your area because of the word of God that you're receiving into your lives? We read, you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you received the message with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit despite great affliction. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you, the message of the Lord has echoed forth, not just in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place reports of your faith in God have spread so that we do not need to say anything. How amazing would it be if we could substitute in that passage Macedonia and Achaia for Bahrain? If we read that again, as a result of what you are doing, what we are doing, you become an example to all the believers in Bahrain. For from you, the message of the Lord has echoed forth, not just in Bahrain, but in every place, reports of your faith in God have spread, so that we do not need to say anything. Now, how true that will ever be depends on you. It's a massive, massive task. But in that passage, we see the support mechanism. We see the need for community, don't we? Others, in verses 6 and 7, in there is an absolutely essential, non-negotiable, unarguable need for other people. We see that first... The Thessalonian believers heard the word. You receive the message. Then they look around the community for people putting it into action. We read that they became imitators of us, Paul writes. The leaders, in the people in the community that are hearing it and doing it. Then, naturally, by those people putting it into action, as a result, they become an example. Then it goes on and on and on and on. There is an absolutely essential, non-negotiable, unarguable need for other people in your Christian life. Having become imitators of their teachers and the Lord, in verse 6, they, they the, the believers in Thessalonica, become the object of imitation for other believers. 
So are your actions important then? Or is it just the person who teaches the word and a couple of people in the community that have decided to take this seriously? Are your actions important? Yes, your actions are very, very important. They're so important because whether you realize it or not, whether you've ever thought about it or not, the word is heard. Like I said, if you're really plugged in and committed and connected, that's every single day. The word is heard. The community is then scanned. Who is doing this? What does this actually look like in my life day to day? How do I put this into action? So your actions are so important because whether you realize it or not, people are looking at you. And what are they going to see you doing? It's kind of like learning to ride a bike. First, somebody tells you how it's going to go. Unless they just put you on and push. But we're not, <laughs> that's not really what we do, is it? Uh, so somebody tells you, look, this is how it's going to go. This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to feel. This is what you need to do. Somebody tells you. Then... Somebody normally starts you off. Maybe they hold the saddle at the back of the bike when you're getting your balance and you're learning to pedal and steer. Doing two things at once is very difficult. Uh, maybe they walk with you a few steps of the way and you get to a point where you're pedaling, you're steering. That person's not holding you anymore, but they're kind of alongside you anyway, just in case. And then there's that point where it clicks, you get it, and you're off. You're away. You've moved on. They take their hands off, and you're away. You can now ride a bike. Then in the future, you can show somebody else how to ride a bike. You can tell them what it's going to be like. You can hold the saddle while they start. You can walk alongside them while they get it. And then they're off, and the cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats. So your actions are really, really important. Because whether you realize it or not, people are looking at you. What are they going to see you imitating? Paul writes that the Thessalonians became imitators of us and of the Lord when they received the message. Your actions are important because whether you realize it or not, people are going to look around and see how you're putting it into action. And what are they going to see you imitating? Are they going to see you imitating the, the, the word or the world? Are they going to see you imitating your believing brothers and sisters in the church or the shifting sands of the culture of the day? Again, your actions are important because whether you realize it or not, people are looking around the community to see how this looks day to day in real life with your actions. People are looking, and we read in verse 9 that people everywhere report how you do this or that. Now sure, the method of reporting may have changed, but is that not still true? People everywhere report how you welcomed us and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. What are people going to report about you then? If we just kind of go one step back, what are you reporting about yourself if we think about social media 
as a really quick example, what are you reporting about yourself and what you believe and what you think with things that you post, things that you share, things that you like, things that you comment on? What are you reporting about yourself and, 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 and where your heart is and where your head is and where your allegiance is? If someone in Bahrain uh, was talking about you and the community here, because they've left, as people do, what are they going to report about the community here? When did they, are they going to say that people heard the word and then just kind of did their own thing and there was no distinction between the believers in Bahrain and the, the unbelievers in Bahrain? There's just a group of people here that hear the word once seven times a week and here there's a group of people that doesn't but actually in day-to-day -day life in actions they do the same things they go to the same places they behave the same way and again your actions are important because whether you realize it or not people are looking to see how this looks how you put this into action in your life again we read for people everywhere report how you welcome us and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, our deliverer from the coming wrath. People are going to know what you're doing. People are going to know your conduct. For the Thessalonians, it was your hospitality, how you welcomed us. How they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. How they made commitments, like we talked about last week. And how they were patiently enduring some actual, real as Paul writes, great affliction. And they did this all because of their faith in Jesus. One thing that I really, really like about this passage is where it finishes, how it finishes, where the, like the high point, where the crescendo of this passage is. There's lots of great stuff going on, as we've talked about there. Uh, lots of things for us to take and think about and, and put into action in our own lives, as we've talked about. But then the high point, the finish of this passage is exactly where it should be. So the conduct and the character and the actions are being observed and reported. Sure, that's very important. Uh, for the original readers, it was how you welcomed us, your hospitality, uh, how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, how, essentially how they put their faith into action, and yes, your actions are important. Then, though, the high point, the finish of this passage, to, it's been reported, it's become known that they're waiting for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, our deliverer from the coming wrath. This passage, then, of thanksgiving, of kind of, personal introspection it causes us to have a deep or it should cause us to have a deep look at ourselves and what we're doing finishes with the gospel wait for God's son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus our deliverer from the coming wrath if there's anything to praise God in prayer for because a group of people have heard accepted and are now putting into action it's this isn't it Jesus, our deliverer from the coming wrath. Without that, the Thessalonians wouldn't be a community of believers. And without that, uh, neither would we. Without this, Jesus, our deliverer, 
without the gospel, there would be no rapid fire reporting and spreading of news that people everywhere are reporting how you welcomed us and turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Without Jesus, without the gospel, without his death and resurrection, we've got no opportunity, as Paul writes, to be delivered from the coming wrath. And then our actions are just not important at all because the case against us is already closed. But with Jesus, with faith in Jesus, our actions have got this new layer of importance, a new light to be seen in. People are now intensely interested in what you are doing when you say that you're a Christian, when you say you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh, that he died, that he resurrected, that he ascended, that he promised to come again. People are intensely interested in what you do and who you are when you say stuff like that. And maybe, maybe it's now, maybe, maybe now people are more interested than ever, ever before with this pandemic going on. People are looking at you and thinking, does their faith actually do anything for them? Are they progressing through this pandemic any better than the world around them? Is there any point in me looking into what they claim because their lives are indistinguishable from everybody around them? Again, especially when we're in this really, really weird period of being together but yet apart. Is their faith, people are looking at you and they're thinking, is their faith for real? Or was it just a Friday thing? When you say that you believe those things, people want to see what it does for you, and quite right too. How you are different, now you claim something so massive and huge and life-changing, because when you truly believe, when you truly turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, people will, quite rightly, take notice of what you're doing. Because just think, if you met someone and they said, I believe in a God who made the universe, everything we see and don't see. He then took on simple human flesh, lived here, died here, was buried here, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven, said he was going to come again, and through faith in him you can have your sins forgiven and inherit eternal life. You would be intensely interested to see if it produced anything different in them, whether it was just words coming out of their mouth, whether it was just something that they heard and they're parroting back to you, whether it was just empty words. So if you claim to be a Christian, if you say you believe it, you need to show it because your actions are important. Because whether you realize it or not, people are looking to see. And do they see Jesus in you or do they not? This first bit of First Thessalonians to those original readers tells them that your conduct and your character are being observed and noted by others. And praise God, we are so thankful 
It's leading people to the Lord. What a great opening to the letter for Thessalonians. The bridge then from them 2,000 years ago to us now is that question, are my actions important? And what do your actions say about you? For you and for me then, this bit of text teaches us that our actions do produce a reputation and that for the believer, that reputation should start and finish with Jesus. This chapter, this bit of text, like every other in this letter, closes with a reference to the return of Jesus, the ultimate point that yes, your actions matter. Your actions are important because he is coming again. Today then, let us accept this truth that our actions are important, that people both in and out of the church are going to take notice of what you're doing with yourself. Let us accept this truth. Then, as we've seen in this passage, let us understand that our Christian character begins and ends in Jesus. And then, finally, let us commit to waiting for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus our Deliverer from the coming wrath. Let's accept this truth, understand that character begins and ends in Jesus, and commit to waiting for him. Let's pray.